This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Okay, I know this is out of the ordinary. I want to make sure that Paul Calvisi over there is comfortable with the situation with me talking first here. I'm on comfortable. The, I'm welcoming it. Outsource it. Here we Cardinals go. Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Danny, you're comfortable with me talking first? Because you, I, in all honesty, Darren Urban here, I'm going to come clean and apologize to both of you. <gasps> because, and I think Paul knows where this is going. Is it April 1st? I don't. Is, uh, what's going on here? Is there a camera I was, rolling somewhere? I was so wrong last week about the primetime games. I kept insisting that you guys were off base, that you didn't know what I obviously <laughs> knew with all these years, and man, was I wrong. You guys hit it on the head. Thank, thank you for being honest I about just, that, bringing just, it back I up. I respect first. that. I'm, I'm going I'm to turn it back to Paul. Well, no, wait a minute. Let's not gloss over your apology. Okay. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's really drill deep into your apology and maximize We've this moment. We've got a moment. full hour to talk about let's it. Let's maximize true. this moment here on Cardinals Underground. I do believe yours truly uh, said four primetime games, so I believe that would be a ding. I called that. Now, what was Danny supposedly allegedly wrong about, which you're now apologizing? Well, I'm just apparently saying you both did. She I got think I said right three. Yeah, I, I'm just saying I think I jumped on both your cases that you guys didn't know what the hell you were talking about, that there wouldn't be that many primetime games. Sounds about right. I, I, I'm, I, I didn't go back and listen, but I'm, I, I felt very um, uh, better than everybody when I was saying it, and clearly I'm just a stupid idiot. You wow. said it, not us. Okay. Well, look. Yeah, Holmes is going to cut that out, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's, that's my fault. At least you're not the Suns, okay? At least you weren't the... Uh, oh, see, let's not saying. go there. You know, that's I mean, going to put me in a poor mood, <laughs> and we don't want that. I just thought I'd rub it in a little uh, bit, I, you know? I, Patrick, who we work with, decided to try and come up with a dig on Friday, and then he brought it back up on Monday morning, and that was... I, I warned him not to poke the bear. That's, but that's what is a he, a Pistons thing. fan? He, he, was, no he was saying some stuff about Luca, which I just didn't want to hear it. I just got to – I honestly, look, I have not been a long-term Suns fan like you, Darren. I've only been living out in the Valley for about eight months. Well, However, Dallas, I, so. I did make it clear that I have decided to become a Suns fan a couple weeks ago because I was never a big basketball fan when I lived in Dallas. I worked a lot of the games through jobs that I had. So when I went home this past weekend – and everyone's, oh, the Mavs, the Mavs. And I made it quite clear to all of my friends and family that I was now a Suns fan. So then for the Suns to lose the way they lost while I was still in Dallas and then top that off with the Dallas Stars overtime loss was just rough night. Mm. Well, uh, I like Jason Kidd's quote. A lot of people said it would be a blowout. They were right. <laughs> so there you go. 
uh, Darren, we won't we won't talk about how that was a Luca special in Game Seven, was it not? That was definitely a Luca special. A Suns loss You're so bad. You're gonna keep going there, aren't you? You're just gonna put made, me in a poor mood. Are you not a Suns fan? Make, no, I am, but I just it was still mind-boggling as to what exactly happened in that game. It Can did, we go back to my apology now? To bring it back to Cardinals Underground, and just to show that we're not playing favorites here or rubbing it in, you know, indiscriminately, uh, it felt a lot like the Cardinals playoff loss, did it not? Where Great you, season. Where you're just set, you're sitting there wondering, what happened? Can somebody give me an explanation? Can somebody give me a diagnosis? And I got news for you, Suns fans. You're going to go a long time, and no one's going to give you an explanation of any sort because the Cardinals have been there and done that. Here we are six months later. Does anybody have a better idea of what happened in that 34-11 one-sided playoff loss at L.A. back in January than you do right now in May? You have no idea, and you won't. It's like a UFO. It's somewhere, you know, and the government at some point might release some sort of file about it, and we might learn about it at a later date with a records request from the newsroom. Until then, it is absolutely classified information, and you are not on a need-to-know basis. Capiche, Just want to reiterate that. So you just go off, and you just worry about next season and who you may or may not lose during the offseason, <laughs> Andre Ayton. So we'll see about that, Darren, okay? Well, you just – Darren's just totally ignoring. He he went with his apology. I think he's done. I think you know you're not unlike the Suns in Game Seven. You threw in one basket. Oh now you're gosh, done for the next forty six minutes. What's going on, Darren? You're 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 really you're really testing my. Uh, Paul is taking advantage of the situation here. here. No, no. It's, uh, well, at least I'm not like TMZ. Do you see where TMZ hit up Larry Fitzgerald? Do you guys see that? No. Before we get into the real stuff here, I as long as we're that. dealing with the salacious and the sensational. Fitz was uh, earholed by TMZ, and the camera guy walks up, and he says, um, "He says uh, if if he thought DeAndre Hopkins' legacy would be tainted, and of course, Larry, always a pro in front of the camera, this said, true. and I quote, I don't think so. He'll still be a Hall of Famer. He's talented. He'll work through it. It's just some adversity, and you know, he's a tough guy, resourceful, and he'll work his way through it, end quote, Larry Fitzgerald went, Hit upside the head with the DeAndre Hopkins question. Even in retirement, he's not even a member of the team anymore, and he's viewed as the face and the spokesman of the Arizona Cardinals. Well, I mean, Larry was tweeting out after the schedule how much he's looking forward to. He quote tweeted the schedule and said how much he was looking forward to the season. So mm. he may not be playing, but are you I, sure about that? Oh, see kidding. why. Paul Goodness was getting gracious. all this time to shine and I dog on you. I had to be... get one in there. This this uh, this took a left turn. I thought the big story of this one was going to be my apology, but I am obviously wrong. Well, speaking of the schedule, Darren, we'll get back to the schedule. Um, I don't know if Larry, if this is the year Larry wants to come back. When you see NFL Network, they are breaking down the toughest schedules. It was really either or. Most of the uh, talking heads either went with the Rams or the Arizona Cardinals. And the NFL.com power rankings of the toughest schedules had the Cardinals number two overall, actually behind the Steelers in the NFL.com power rankings. Rams were top four. Jets were up there as well. You realize the Jets start their their season. It's a really quirky deal here. With every single game is against the AFC North. That's how they get. <laughs> their first four games are against the AFC North I, I feel for like the New York Jets. Didn't didn't we have a season like that one year where we – like four of our, four of the Cardinals' first five games was against the same division, or four of the six. I don't know that that rings a bell. I'd have to look. Obviously, I don't have that in front of me. 
So, uh, you know, it's not – I mean, give me some some takeaways on the schedule release there, Danny, and, and what stood out to you. Other than, other than me being wrong. Other than you being wrong. Um, well, we talked about what we were – I'm pulling it up now. What we had – what we were going to keep an eye on before the schedule came out. And so the bye week. And it's not the week after the Mexico City game. It's the following week, so early December for the Cardinals. That's something that I noticed. And then – you're also looking at those divisional matchups. So the first one being week three at home against the Rams. And I mean, those first six games where you will not have DeAndre Hopkins aren't going to be easy. Those first three are going to be very tough. Even if you had D-Hop, the Kansas City Chiefs, Vegas Raiders, and LA Rams. And then, you know, the other teams, you've got the Panthers, Eagles, and the Seahawks. Um, But those first three games specifically, you got to get off on the right foot. Um, Cardinals have to come out strong the way they did last year to start the season. You're not going to have your best wide receiver out on the field. So that's what I was kind of looking at. Those games, you're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins. The bye week not being till early December. So that's a long time. Now, it could be in favor for the Cardinals, get some rest late in the season, but it's that's pretty late. No doubt. I mean, you know, you know what I thought of, and, and you talk about those first six games, and yeah – we all wanted the last place Seahawks twice in the first six games. Didn't get it. You got them once in, in week number six right there, but you also got playoff teams and the Eagles and the Rams and the Raiders and the Chiefs. And then you got to remember that recent historic stat that teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs less than 10% of the time. That has been the recent historical stat. And so we all know what the Cardinals look like without DeAndre Hopkins, you can't pick up where you left off last season, especially on offense, when you got the Chiefs and the Raiders right out of the gate, and then you followed up with the Super Bowl champion Rams at home. So, And then, of course, we know Carolina in week four, everybody now, the Cardinals have lost their last six games against Carolina, and they're 0-2 against Matt Rule. So, look, there's there better be enough here right out of the gate in month number one to get everyone's attention in that locker room. To not just – you know, go ahead and, and rest on the laurels of last year in a 7-0 and start and a 10-2 and start. And guess what? You know, this team around here is known to getting off to a quick start. And, or no, maybe we'll just uh, focus on the end of this coming season. No, there won't be an end to this season that's meaningful if you don't get off to a really good start and at least keep yourself viable without DeAndre Hopkins. Well, let me ask you this question. When we start talking about a really good start, what is that? What does that look like? Minus D-Hop and these teams here in the first six games. Are we talking games, six games? Yeah, the, those first six games. It's got to be C-level, right? It's got to be three and three at I, the very least. So. But I see, agree. When you say really good start, nobody says, well, three and three is a really good start. But in the context of what we're talking about, I would agree. If they can go three and three, um, I, I think that's a big win. I think that's a big win. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's un manageable if you're two and three but you've got to then get hot and you've got that that uh that shot in the arm that cliff kingsbury talked about recently uh when asked about deandre's suspension and whether you know how how you manage it and he's like well we're looking at like we're going to get a shot in the arm when he comes back in week seven okay then you better get a, a big shot in the arm it's funny in the mailbag somebody asked about um was trying to be very positive and quite frankly, in this week's mailbag, I'll take it because there was a lot of negative. Oh. But uh, um, one person was talking about how maybe the Hopkins thing could turn into a positive for this, that, and the other thing. And he, and he, the, he ended his 
kind of thought process by saying, do you think this could turn out to be a good thing? I don't. Losing DeAndre Hopkins and your 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 best one of your best skill players for six games can never be a good thing. You can make it less of a bad thing, is what I said, and I and I do think that's possible, and uh, and that's what's going to be crucial in terms of maneuvering through these six games. And that first game back for DeAndre Hopkins in Week Seven is that Thursday night game hosting the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and the the problem there is he can't practice with you while he's suspended and there will be no practice for the Saints game because it's a short week. So they're literally going to be walking through stuff. So DeAndre Hopkins' first game, he's literally going to have no practice for. And the last practice he will have had would be the end of training camp. Can I ask a random NFL question? How can the Saints sign Jarvis Landry after signing Tyron Matthew? When we started this offseason with everybody screaming how the Saints were a mind-boggling $70 million plus over the cap, when the speculation was that Sean Payton in large part walked away because they were in cap hell for this coming season and they just keep signing guys and reloading. I I don't know how the Saints are pulling that off, but I'm thinking an SEC investigation is some of the finances down there in New Orleans might be warranted at this point because I don't know who's cooking the books over there. You know, they got Enron going on down there. Are there somebody give me – I don't know exactly what's going on. I do know the Cardinals are going to be on Thursday night at least at home. Here's the positive. If you want a positive, you have four primetime games, and they're all at home with the exception of the Mexico City game, and that's where you're taking on the 49ers. So whether it's Christmas night at home against Tampa, whether it's that Thursday night game, you're at home, it's those dreaded primetime road games. And somebody actually did some analytics, Uh, and if I can call it up here, I'll actually cite a few of these stats. Here it is. Sharp football broke down some of the numbers, and there's two ways to evaluate any season. The strength of your scheduled opponents, strength of schedule, or the difficulty of the scheduled timing, meaning too many teams have too many advantages inherent to the scheduling itself. For example, they say this this year's schedule, there are more games with rest disparity plus more short, short week road games for teams than ever before because what do teams hate? They hate the Sunday night the Monday night football games on the road. And now you're getting home in the middle of the night, and it's jacking up the next week's schedule. For example, this year the Bengals play three Sunday night or Monday night road games at Baltimore, at Cleveland, at Pittsburgh. Obviously wow. short proximity. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the one thing about those is they're not having to travel very far. So, And they say that this year's schedule has more instances of what they deem rest disparity than any other season, 93 out of the 272 games. And so, at least this year, though, unlike last year, no team is going to play four games in a 17-day span, which is what the Eagles did, if you remember that, a year ago. However, three teams are going to be playing four games with opponents each coming off many buys. Once again, three teams are going to have four games apiece against opponents each coming off many buys. And so there are a lot of instances of teams playing other teams that have this distinct rest advantage. So we'll see how that plays out, and some teams got uh, the worst of it more than others. That Christmas game is going to be a lot of fun. Not only is Tom Brady coming to town, that's the last regular season home game. Cardinals finished the last two on the road at Atlanta on January 1st and at San Francisco. Uh, that one's TBD depending on the Saturday or Sunday they'll play. Actually, but. I it's going to be on the 8th. Oh, it is? Yes. You heard it here for first, folks. 
unless you saw the schedule page. I think we do have it on the 8th on the schedule well, then, page. Well, that would be they read it there first, but they heard it here first, Darren. Once Different again, senses. Once again, I'm marking down Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara as a home game, as the Cardinals have won <laughs> six of the last eight there. So I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just I'm throwing that out there. And uh, <laughs> so when the Cardinals look at that. Uh, otherwise, you, I mean, I like Cliff Kingsbury's response when asked about Patrick Mahomes and how they didn't waste any time. No, the NFL did not waste any time this year. They have Russell Wilson in week one going back to Seattle. Why? Isn't, don't you want to build up to a few of these games? Why do you want these games automatically right but, out of the gate? What if Seattle is terrible and yeah. then in the middle of the season yeah. it's not even going to matter he's going to Seattle? That, that's the first thing I think of is like you want to make sure the crappy Seattle Seahawks are on you got to make right that away. guaranteed money. It's good. It's good, Danny. You know, I don't mind being wrong or getting faced here when it's uh, when really it just exposes how bad the last place Seahawks are. So that's good. I, I, I enjoy that. So, okay. Carnos will see Chandler Jones week two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he see he tweeted. What did he tweet? Like the eye emoji or something? Like well, something? Because that's my their mouth th- is closed. Because that's their home opener. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, all right. You so once again, you have a Thursday night. You have two Monday night. You have a Sunday night game. I mean, just the home opponents. I mean, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or the Super Bowl champion Rams coming in, the Eagles, obviously a playoff team. They've loaded up the Saints who have made the playoffs for the last five years. Obviously, last year being the exception, they they failed at the very end. And then you got Belichick and the Patriots coming in, Coach Cliff against his former head coach, and then, of course, Tom Brady, Tommy, and the Buccaneers coming in on Sunday night. The only thing missing there would be B.A. as the head coach on the other sideline with a headset on. But you know what? Todd Bowles, that's good. That's good storyline stuff Does B.A. make that well. trip? Oh, yeah. He's got to, right? B.A.'s got to walk. It's Christmas. He's got to walk. He should, you know what? B.A. should walk into the stadium with a cocktail in hand. Since he's, it's, it's, he's not going to be on the sideline, just walk in with, with a cocktail in hand. I have to say, hand. Danny, I know you've, you've, you've been through a lot of cool stuff with your previous employment, but it would have been – you would have, I think, enjoyed the Bruce Arians era. From what I've heard, I, that, it sounds <laughs> that way. How about, uh, by the way, speaking of, before we move on from, from D-Hop, and I liked your line, Darren, on azcardinals.com. I think you said something to the effect of over the first six games, DeAndre Hopkins ain't walking through that door. Yes. Right? That's going to be a consistent refrain over the first month and a half. Uh, you know, don't look towards that locker room door. DeAndre Hopkins ain't walking through it. But if anyone can play well on zero practice time, <laughs> it's DeAndre yeah, Hopkins. That's probably I mean, right? true. I mean, he doesn't exactly – have your reputation for needing practice time. Let's put it that way to excel on a football field. So if anyone could come off but the that's six also, game suspension on a short week, it's Diop. <laughs> that's probably true. Although again, um, the fact that he's not going to have practiced at all or played at all, it's a little different than skipping a practice here or there. By the way, uh, the Cliff Kingsbury sense of humor on display meeting the media here within the last week. The last question about whether he had talked to Kyler Murray about oh, the yeah. suspension to D-Hop. And Cliff Kingsbury sort of paused. He said, yeah, yeah, you know, talk to him. But he got his best friend, so he's in good shape. That's true. I mean, I, I, again, when the move was made, I, I think – For Marquise Hollywood Brown. Yeah, for Marquise Hollywood Brown. I think – a lot of boxes were checked, and as we know now, there were more boxes to check because of DeAndre. And maybe some of those boxes were drawn by Kyler. <laughs> it's that check here. I mean, 
if you're Kyler, you you really can't complain too much, can you? <laughs> it's good though. I mean, honestly, I, look, you want to create an environment for any employee, right? Any teammate to excel. At the same time, let's be honest. You want to remove any sort of excuse, any sort of plausible deniability as to why thou shalt not excel. And so in this case, you're all in. And you're going to give your star quarterback every advantage, every possible resource to your disposal to make sure that he replicates the first half of last season and he comes out and sustains that Pro Bowl level of play for an entire season. And now bringing in a guy that he definitely connects to. uh, And then hopefully, you know, this is just me from afar. I saw where there was a lineman for the Cincinnati Bengals. Karras, Ted Karras, right, the former center for the uh, Patriots, was brought in as a veteran to really try and uh, bolster that Bengals offensive line because remarkably Joe Burrow made it to the Super Bowl as the, mass, uh, as the most sacked quarterback in the NFL a year ago, right? Yep. And, and they asked him about just, okay, what are your initial thoughts and, and, and what you've seen of Joe Burrow? And he said, Joe, cool. He said, it's apt. He is cool. He gets along with all the guys. And he's great in that locker room. And he added, I've never seen a great franchise quarterback not be on great terms with everybody on the team. And it made me think of a Kurt Warner. It made me think of a Carson Palmer. And it makes me, it reminds me that that is still, I think, the next step for Kyler Murray. And if Marquise Hollywood Brown is sort of a bridge in that way to maybe the rest of the locker room, because you know those two are going to connect. Those guys are going to be really close, and they're going to pick up where they left off at Oklahoma. And then hopefully that's something that perpetuates itself, if you will, in the locker room and just leads to Kyler being more of that sort of leader. Because to me, the Bengals last year, you know what their culture was? Their culture was Joe Burrow, and Kyler needs to be more of the culture with the Arizona Cardinals. That's a really good point. I'm hoping, too, the fact that In the grand scheme of things, there hasn't been a ton of turnover on the offense. Uh, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz, all players he was playing with for the first time last year. So maybe having not only that season, working out together in the offseason, all of that, that will hopefully make a difference as well. Um, You know, James Conner, all these players he was playing with for the first time. So hopefully that kind of makes a difference as well. I mean, A.J. Green sat in that very seat. We recorded a segment for the Big Red Rage just last month. And You're not as tall as him. <laughs> and, he, and he said. Barely. And he said, uh, easy on the diminutive Americans. You're going to owe two people in this uh, in this uh, area another apology at no, this rate. you got rate, my dude. one of the decade. So, um, and there was A.J. Green. And, and he literally said, and we could call it up at some point. You could hear it for yourself. But take my word for it when he said, I want Kyler to hold me accountable that the communication was not always stellar between myself and the quarterback. He said, I take ownership of that. And you know what? I have no problem if Kyler wants to call me out, if he wants to hold me accountable and do it in front of the team. And I thought that was big for a 34-year-old seven-time Pro Bowl receiver to say that about a guy who's a decade his junior with only a few years in the league. You know, And hopefully that's representative of the rest of the roster. And, and, and maybe, once again – Maybe that's just a path for Kyler to become more of that leader when the guys are amenable to having leadership sometimes forced down their throat, which is necessary at times. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's This is such a weird time of the year to talk about this because we are in the middle of all this voluntary stuff and there's a tremendous amount of 
players that aren't around right now, you know, and it's not just the quarterback. There's there's a lot of veterans who aren't out there right now, and they don't have to be. And so, and, and I get it. It's kind of a heavy topic. I mean, we could be talking about Zach Ertz and his beach blonde hair. We could be talking about that at this point in the season. We could talk about how he almost killed me the other day. Ooh, really? ooh, let's talk about that. You, you yeah. turn the corner, and boom, there was a big tight end uh, well, in front was, of you. So, <laughs> I was. I happened to be walking towards the auditorium through the weight room coming back from something against the wall and uh zach was working with a heavy ball throwing it down to the ground right and buddy's buddy morris the strength and conditioning coach is looking at me Ertz has got kind of his back to his to me so as i walk past he's you know i'm gonna come up on his right and pass him on his right and he's probably i don't know six seven feet off the wall and he throws it down just as i'm coming up on him and apparently the idea was he was going to spike this 30 pound medicine ball and then he was going to pick it up immediately and throw it hard against the brick wall which i'm walking past (laughs) and he picks it up and he starts to turn he goes whoa and he drops it and he goes i almost killed you darren and he would have that would have i can't but it's funny because and i didn't get a chance to tell him that i did thank him for not killing me the next day i said i appreciate you not killing me zach and he said it was close um (laughs) I have done that walk <laughs> back in the day, like four or five years ago. It was uh, it was media day, or was actually 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 might have been the same kind of day. It was rookies arriving day, and there was rookies working out or something like that. And I was coming the other way, that same stretch of brick wall. And there was a couple players talking to each other, and one of them happened to be former backup quarterback Charles Knoff. And he had a much smaller medicine ball, but it was okay. still had right. some heft. Yeah. And they're having this conversation, and I had a camera in my hand. And he went to go throw it going left with me coming off his left shoulder, and he didn't see me. And he threw it. And I just got my body over in time to shield this $3,000 camera I'm holding. And I still hit the wall. I hit the wall pretty hard. I got a little of the camera. It didn't wreck the camera at all. But I got hammered. And he's like, oh, are you okay? And I'm like, when Zach almost did it the other day, I'm like, what? how is this happening to me? How does this happen twice? I'm envisioning one of those cartoons where Darren's embedded in the wall, like, you know, and there's this body <laughs> imprint in the wall. Or maybe for those longtime Diamondback fans, remember Randy Johnson hit a double, defied the odds and hit a double and was rounding first oh, and yeah. completely biffed it and just ate a raw between first and second base and went full yard sale right in the middle of the infield dirt. And the next day everyone showed up for the Diamondbacks game and they had a chalk outline. Yes. Of Randy Johnson, yes. six foot eleven, body type, right there, well, as if he was as if he was DOA right in the, the street. The thing was when when Kanoff threw it, he was closer to the wall. I was kind of I, I was just in a bad like where Zach was. I'm like, you're throwing that an awful long ways to the wall. I don't even want to know what that could have done to me, <laughs> and it would have been embarrassing as hell. Actually, one of the first things Zach said is, "Buddy." Why didn't you say something? I was thinking, is Buddy the common denominator in these stories? Maybe it's Buddy who's got if, something I don't know if Buddy you. was there for – He's a made man now. He's the NFL strength coach of the year. That's true. It doesn't true. matter. So, you know, he answers to nobody. Let's, tried, let's be honest on that one. I tried to give him grief about not letting us know ahead of time and not letting me write a story. And he's like, come on, come on, stop, stop, stop. No, no, we're not doing that. 
Uh, maybe Buddy's response would be, "Get out of my kitchen, Darren." You know, that's 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 what you get around here. So, all right, I completely derailed things. No, but you know, Danny's right. That was a good call, Danny. That was much more entertaining than my soliloquy on leadership. So, um, <laughs> that was uh, actually solid. It really was. So, uh, I'll just say this though, not to drop this in. So, this is sort of like a medicine ball to the head here when it comes to podcasts. I'm just going to throw this. I'm going to light the fuse on this and throw it out. You ready, Danny? I'm ready. When I was on NFL.com, there was a video embedded into the Cardinals schedule release story or whatever. And it had to do with the Cardinals. And it was Michael Irvin and Steve Mariucci. And so it's playing. It's an autoplay. And, you know, I didn't actually kill the audio. And I'm okay. And I'm listening as I'm looking at the Cardinals schedule. And out of nowhere, Michael Irvin says that he sat with Kyler Murray recently in Dallas at a Mavs playoff game. And I'm now quoting Michael Irvin on Kyler. He still says he's not coming to camp without his money. That's Michael Irvin after having sat next to Kyler at a Mavs playoff game. So I'm just throwing that out there like a medicine ball that nearly took down Darren. I'll just throw that out there and just let that hang for a minute as we continue to stay on Kyler watch here as we track towards minicamp which is involuntary, correct, Darren? So that's when this would actually make headlines the, Yeah, the only, a month from now. Again, the only time players are required to be here in the offseason is for the mandatory minicamp. I'm, I'm watching that. I appreciate you choking that yawn back, but it's still coming, isn't it? No, Danny? it's, it's an equal. It's an equal opportunity yawn. But, yes, the, manda- the mandatory minicamp in mid-June, that's the only thing players have to be here for. Okay. All I right. got to tell you guys something, and this might not be popular. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. boy. Um, obviously, as great as it would be to have him here, that statement that you read from Michael Irvin yep. doesn't have me shaking in my boots. No? Because, again, obviously you want Kyler here. You want him working with the team, with the coaching staff, all of that. We know Kyler's working out on his own. I don't have any inside scoop, but – Reading the tea leaves, this team wants Kyler Murray to be their franchise quarterback, picking up his fifth-year option. You bring in his best friend. You are really focusing on offensive pieces in the draft and the moves that you're making in free agency. That, to me, tells me that this team wants Kyler Murray to be their quarterback. And that's what we heard General Manager Steve Kime saying. He had a good point when he had his press conference. This was before the draft a couple of weeks ago. When you look at these quarterbacks that are looking for that first big contract – It's not happening in February, March, or April. Teams are getting through the draft and the first wave of free agency. It's happening in the later parts of the summer. So while it's not ideal that Kyler might miss those couple of days in June, my mind says I just really want him here by training camp in July. So to me, him saying that doesn't really have me super nervous quite yet because it would make sense to get the deal done in late June or early July, and he would still be here for training camp. Okay, that's good. No, and and look, uh, I'm not going to over-exaggerate the importance of these off-season walkthroughs, these glorified walkthroughs. I get it. Would I love to see him maximizing every opportunity to create chemistry with his receivers? Sure, absolutely, because that was lacking at times a year ago, and the receivers have been, you know, have accounted for that as well. Uh, But – I do think, at least over the first six games, it is going to look like a different offense. And our latest little bit of information, little bit, came from the rookie tight end Trey McBride when he met the media. And he said, among other things, and he sort of ducked it in, and it may have gone unnoticed, 
But I certainly noticed and went back and wrote down exactly what he said, and that was that Cliff Kingsbury wants to disguise the offense a little bit more when talking about adding a tight end in round two. So whether Max Williams is coming back anytime soon or not, we have no idea. There could be two tight ends. There could be three very viable tight ends. But the fact that the tight end has been a point of emphasis in this offseason, to the point where Darren's probably got a lot of questions about it in the mailbag, some positive, some not so positive. I know. I've got it on the Twitter side. You know, what's the deal with the tight ends? Well, here's the deal. They want to make the offense a little less predictable. They want to disguise it a little bit more. So when you all of a sudden you're running 10 personnel out there and you have four receivers, guess what? That can become a tell. And I'm just going to surmise, it can become much more of a tell in the second half of a season after you've got six, eight, ten games on film and now defensive coordinators are breaking it down and they can really see your tendencies and your formations, just like Todd Bowles used to do back in the day as a defensive coordinator. Half the time the other team would break the huddle and go into a certain formation. He would call out their play. And so now all of a sudden, maybe the Cardinals are realizing, you know what, we're going to attach a little more importance to being a little less predictable. You got a, a slight little look at that and behind the scenes in the latest episode of Cardinals Flight Plan. General Manager Steve Keim in that draft room when they were talking about Trey McBride and wanting to get him on the field with Zach Ertz for that reason specifically to help disguise the offense and how Cliff Kingsbury can try and get them both on the field. There you go. And that's, I mean, it would make sense, right, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're trying to figure out, okay, you got to diagnose what happened at the end of last season and the end of the season before that. It would make sense to me that this is one of their conclusions. If they self-scouted themselves to start this offseason and that's the answer they came up with, yeah, it makes sense. I think it's one of those things where uh, it's funny. We've been talking about this for such a long time, and I think ultimately – I do. I agree with all the points that both of you have made, and and I agree with you, uh, Paul, on the idea that, you know, as we get deeper into the season, maybe that's where it's kind of gone. Um, you know, I, some of it's going to depend on health. You know, one of the questions I got this week was people not talking about Max Williams, for instance, and you've got Trey McBride. Don't get me wrong, but you know, where does that stand if Max Williams is healthy? How much easier is it to do these things that you're talking about? How much more difficult is it if you don't have Max Williams? How quickly can Trey McBride kind of figure out the pro game enough that he's a threat enough that it matters that he's on the field trying to trick people into whatever you might be trying to trick them into? You know what I mean? Yep. So uh, I think it's all going to be a work in progress in a lot of ways, uh, especially if McBride has to be a big part of it. Well, and, and the honest answer is, you can't answer that question. You don't know. Any rookie, you don't know. Remember Troy Nicholas came in, the second-round pick out of Notre Dame? Dude was 6'6". Six, six. Remember the comment was with uh, Jeff King, the, the tight end at the time? He looks like he swallowed a bear. He was so huge. He, in the one-on-one -on -one drills, O-line, D-line, he was standing up Darnell Dockett in training camp. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this kid's a monster. And then he dealt with injuries, and he couldn't stay on the field. And maybe he didn't have a great mastery of the playbook. And you know what? He was prone to the drops. And so you just never know until the season starts. And so that really, that question is impossible to answer. Uh, so we'll see. But, you know, Trey McBride can move. 
We saw that in rookie minicamp, him just running routes on air. You're like, okay, the kid moves well. Supposedly stout on film when it comes to the point of attack and holding blocks and holding his own. We'll see. Um, any other any other takeaways from rookie minicamp when, when you guys were out there watching or listening to some of the uh, – I tell you, I still think Keontae Ingram, you just look at him move and you look at his size, that six-round running back out of USC, the 19th running back drafted, I get it. But I still think he's got as good a shot as any rookie on this team to contribute immediately because there is a definite opening behind James Conner. I was not able to physically be out here at rookie minicamp. I was out of town. However, I was looking at our YouTube channel at the mic'd up from the practice with Trey McBride. And I thought it was kind of cool to see that he's really leaning into the fact that he he is essentially the Cardinals not the first round draft pick obviously he was drafted in the second round but the Cardinals didn't have a first round draft pick because of that trade for Hollywood Brown and it seems like McBride is really stepping into that role that a lot of first round draft picks have of amongst the rookies you got to step in immediately and be that leader and lead by example and rally the team and it seemed like from the mic'd up at least from what I was able to see that he was doing that he was not just Hooraying the players, but he was, you know, hey, that's a ball you got to catch. Hey, you know, like, woohoo, good job. Like, I I, I don't know. You get my point. You get my point. You're more of a wordsmith than that, Danny. It's better than haranguing. Well, you guys get my point. Yes. Um, It seems like he is stepping into that as the first pick from the draft for the Cardinals and really leaning into that and and trying to fill that leadership role amongst the rookies. I did. I did notice that. The, the couple, again, among the rookies trying to tell people, you know, what they should be doing and what they might be missing. I think that's I think that's a pretty important thing. Uh, again, when you start talking about leadership, it's 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 nice to see. And we also saw him flight plan again when they're drafting people. What comes up again? How many times has he been captaining it? You know, Steve kind yep. of brings that up a lot. Yep. You know, and <laughs> – there, there are always those rookie moments, though, too. Like when uh, it was it was uh, Cameron Thomas who was asked by the media, "Have you met any of the uh, veteran players yet?" Like in your position room, and he he sort of paused. He didn't know what to say, and he finally just had to level with the media guy and say, uh, "Sir, I, I've been here an hour. <laughs> I haven't actually uh, met anyone yet. So uh, you know, you, you can still see the tag basically on the shirt he's wearing. So you know, there's just some of those those moments and. And you do love the enthusiasm of all these guys, and you love hearing that uh, Cameron Thomas and uh, MyJ Sanders are known for their nonstop motors. Okay, that's more than half the battle, obviously. But are we really – and this is just me – are we really expecting a guy like Cameron Thomas, Thomas, who's had his hand in the dirt and has played the three technique and the five technique, and all of a sudden he's going to be dropping into coverage as an outside linebacker? He said the transition would be no problem, Paul. Okay. There's what he says, and then there's what we'll see no, at training camp in August. I, and, I don't. I don't know. think it's a given. I. I. I don't. Um, but I mean, he's a two. If he's going to play at two sixty-five, and he's going to be dropping in to coverage. Well, maybe you don't have him drop into coverage. You know, I mean, I. I. I it's going to be interesting to see. They. They definitely have a couple of guys. In Luketa and Cameron Thomas, who they drafted and immediately said they're going to be working with the outside linebackers, and they are working with the outside linebackers, and yet one of them seems a little bit more of a tweener in terms of a de- defensive lineman, and uh, Luketa played more inside linebacker than outside linebacker in his college career. But, again, Thomas is different with a third 
stringer. I mean, Lakata, Lakata, they drafted in the seventh round because he was. They feel like he was just a good player. You draft seventh rounders to be good special teamers, be smart, have good guys at the end of the end of the roster, and if he blossoms into something else, hey, great. You know, and my Jay Sanders said he has actual experience doing it. You know, a lot of seven on seven through his college career, and so uh, and maybe the best thing of anyone was when my Jay Sanders also said that. You know, he he does he welcomes the heat that he he can't wait. You know, he's from Jacksonville. He said, he says, uh, you know, I went to Cincinnati. It'd be 84 degrees in Cincinnati, and people would be complaining the locals uh, that it's all so hot and everything. And I'd have a jacket on. I'm like, well, this dude's suited for Arizona. Then here you go. Welcome to the AZ. So that's good. How about the uh, story from Christian Matthew, by the way? And yeah. and that was. Do you know I've already cited that with the kids? I don't hesitate to borrow stories for Pauly Parental Unit and use these as examples for the kids because I had a couple. You want of to ki- keep their NFL dreams alive? No, Is that what you're doing? A couple of kids and they're in their you know they're griping and grousing over uh, having to play ball in the heat and stuff. Okay, and play sports now that it was over 100 degrees over the weekend. So I had to bust they out. They don't want to play sports, but Paul makes them. I, you know, well, what else are they going to do? Sit around on their phone all day or on TikTok or in uh, the Xbox, you know? So, yeah, okay. Old man. Are you exactly. on TikTok, Paul? Exactly. Paul, are you, you on know. TikTok? I have nothing against TikTok, but when it becomes two hours, three hours, seven hours uh, at a clip, and there's, you know, then, of course, you know, we have to do something we about it. We should get that. you on TikTok. You know, and uh, I've seen enough of TikTok. <laughs> I'm probably better over here. Uh, <laughs> but the story that he was ready to leave or at least had a job offer to be a manager at Walmart. Yeah. And then his girlfriend and his mother, I believe, sat him down and said, look, that's an opportunity that's going to be there. It's going to be there in the future. This is the now. This is what you have to aim for now that you're never going to have a chance at again. So that's basically the message. Hitting zoom out to the young punks in in the household was, look, you know, you can do all that stuff the rest of your life, but if you have a chance to do something now, you know, take advantage of it. You got to start sprinkling in some more life advice in your articles if Paul's going to use them <laughs> in his parenting style. Okay. Okay. Speaking uh, of editing things out, edit out that last story. That didn't go well. <laughs> that, you know, there's my apology. No, that's a very, it's a very, I, I apologize very for cool sharing story. that story over there. The Christian Matthew part of it. Yeah, yeah that, that part. That's what I'm saying is the cool story. That was my mistake, trying to personalize it. What am I doing honing my way into Christian Matthew's story? It was really self serving, and I apologize. That was idiotic. So. It was just something that resonated. Let's get back to Zach Ertz's beach blonde hair. What is the deal with that? What, what's going on? Danny, uh, give me a thought on the beach blonde hair. Is, is he on TikTok with the beach blonde hair, Zach Ertz? Is that why he did it? I is don't it know a if he's on look? TikTok. If he is, I don't follow him, so don't tell okay. him. All right. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just his summer his summer hairstyle. I, I really don't know. We might have to ask Hot him about Earth it. Summer. I think he's done this before. Darren, that was hip. Thank well, you. Good job. Well, High five, Darren. Oh, no. With the times. No, it's better when you guys are the Bickersons. I don't oh, like, I don't sorry. Like, I don't like the high fives. I don't think this is the first time Zach Ertz has bleached his hair, though, no, I believe. I feel I like. I think this is like a thing he does. Yeah. Has he been going to like San maybe, Diego on the weekends like every other Arizonan? Is he surfing no, on the it, weekends? No, it, looks, it looks like actual bleach, like not from the sun. Maybe okay. this is the kind of thing where, you know, like when you're a kid and you're in school and you can't have like pink hair during the school year so you dye her pink in the summer because you can get away with it maybe he doesn't want to have bleach blonde hair during the season doesn't want to keep up with it and so his summertime is his hairstyle okay. wow. time I so don't it's know. a wanton display of non-compliance is that what you're saying he's letting his we inner... will have to ask him next time yeah. we speak okay. with him that's good all right well uh you know what you need you need like a jj watt investigative piece 
just you know the two of them standing there like what J.J. Watt did with Kyler Murray, right? We did the butt, 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 butt. He needs to go up to Zach Ertz with the with the with the live stream on and just go ahead and video it. Zach Ertz, go ahead. What's the deal with the beach blonde hair? Everyone wants to know. That that'd be a good segment. I know we have said this a million times, but as you bring him up, I, it just J.J. Watt is here every day, like. I wouldn't be surprised if he's here on the weekends. I'm not here on the weekends, so I don't know. Really? I swear to God, he's here all the time. You weren't here for rookie minicamp? Are you sure? You weren't here for rookie minicamp on Saturday, Darren? I was not here for rookie minicamp on Saturday. I worked ahead because there was no media availability, so I said, you know what? I'm going to go watch a movie with my kids. Good for you. Wow. Okay. Did you have a parental story that go along with the movie? Uh, No. No? Okay. My my kids are adults now, so... (laughs) <laughs> but the parenting uh, never ends. The parenting probably never does end, but yeah, right. let's face it. Yeah, that's right. Well, you still picked up the tab, even though they're adults, right? Was, I did pick up yeah, the tab. There you that's go. how it works. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. Uh, that never changes. I love it. Danny still goes home and like, dad, yeah. mom. No, that's not true. You know what? Actually, my dad very kindly lends me his car because he now works from home. Um so when I'm in town, which I was last weekend, my dad lets me drive his car around. So I made sure to fill up the gas tank before I gave it back to, to him. W- not this last That's time, but you know, no. but you know what? When it's they a were yes or no question. When Danny. they were out visiting me, yes, I did treat them to dinner. When they visited me about five weeks. It ago. is my my. Uh, I believe hey. this came up in our uh, podcast much earlier <laughs> that my father is no longer with us because I feel like that was a thing between me and Paul at one point. Yeah, I said that, that was that was the first in a series of apologies. But my me. my mother still comes out to dinner with the family, and it's it's kind of interesting how like which I should. I'm not saying I shouldn't, but it's like now my my mom is just like one of my kids. Like if she's here, that like I'm of course I'm paying for her dinner. You know, I'm not at that point yet. Sorry, Danny, mom and dad, if you're Danny, listening. Danny, you need to pay for dinner and let dad pay for the gas because the gas is yeah, a lot more true. than <laughs> dinner these days, honestly. See, that Exactly, and I filled up his tank, and he drives a big car. So. Well, it's Dallas. He probably has a pickup, right? He does oh, not have a pickup you, you were just profiled. You were that, that Texas profile right there. No one in my family drives a pickup. What is he driving? A big Mazda CRX or something. I don't know. A big mod. It's a usually, lot bigger than you, the one you and I drive. What are you driving? Usually the Mazda word. Mazda 3. Usually oh, the word. mine's not red. I'm just you saying. You know red cars get pulled over the, the most. The word big. I've never been pulled over in The word car. big and the word Mazda usually don't go together, but I'll, I'll trust you. I'll trust you on that one. <laughs> no, you know what? I lied. His is an Acura. That's why. <laughs> okay. That's good. <laughs> All right. Uh, getting back to Christian Matthew and not my story. Um, what do you think about the Cardinals right now at cornerback? We saw a defensive lineman sign in Kingsley Kiki. Uh, that is pronounced correctly, I believe. I, I'm counting oh, on you, Oh, my goodness. Uh, and so uh, where's Craig Greeley when we need him? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the front seven, I think, still could need a little bit of help, a little bit, I think, the front seven. Um, but what about corners? See, I feel better about the cornerback room than I do the front seven right now, or especially D-line, D-tackle in particular. Uh. I, I I guess I'm it, – it'll be interesting to me if Robert Alford ends up back on this roster at some point. Um, I, you know, I know he's had his injury issues, including last year, but he played pretty well when he was here, and I wonder if he would be a late signing just to kind of throw into that room. We don't know anything about Jeff Gladney at this point, really, and we don't know – We know he's been called a starter by the decision well, makers. Uh, That's what we know. And we don't know how much improvement Marco Wilson – can make so I mean I think there's a lot of questions there 
I, I have questions on the defensive line. I do. It, or the front seven is, I guess, what you said. And, and that's I think that's a fair assessment. I don't, uh, you know, again, going back to the mailbag, <laughs> somebody said he thinks this is going to be a historically bad defense. I'm like, what? I mean, I don't – what? I don't, I, don't, I don't get that. I have a question. Well, that's I'm, what we're here for. Great. As I'm thinking through all this, the the players that the Cardinals have lost on defense, because that's that's been our discussion the whole time, essentially for months on that that's the side of the ball, the front seven, even talking about cornerbacks. So you're talking about Chandler Jones, Jordan Hicks. That's my question: is is Corey which Peters, which guess. players have left that have yeah, us I mean, feeling so different about this defense? See, that's that's kind of my point. Like you're. Corey Peters, they signed him late, and I love Corey. He's a rotational He's guy. A rotational guy. Chandler Jones, obviously. Right. Um, and then beyond that, I, I I understand the Jordan Hicks thing, and and that's you, the you, unknown to me. You and I are going to butt heads on this. That's one the unknown. You feel like he played the most defensive snaps. He was second on the team in tackles, and he called your defense, and it was very complex, complicated defense by Vance Joseph, and he was the guy who was making the sub calls, not only. You know, getting it from the sideline and calling it, but then as a team went up the line of scrimmage or was going through a cadence, he was checking into different things instantly. And so that's the big unknown. Zayvon Collins, are they going to have to go with a more remedial sort of defense just because you got a young guy? Or maybe you have somebody else call it. Maybe. I mean, I feel like if you have to have a guy, and I love Jordan, and I think he played well last year. If you have to have a guy in the lineup, only because of that and the physical tools aren't what you need. I mean, I think you got to figure it out. Well, and, and I think to some degree there was the Hassan Reddick issue at inside linebacker in that, you know what, you can be the fastest guy in the field, but if you take half a step in the wrong direction upon the snap of the ball, you're never going to be able to make the play. So you have to have those instincts to go along with the athleticism. and so. But you know what? The only way you're going to find out if Zayvon Collins is that guy is for him to play. And I still firmly believe, even though no one has said this, you had no choice but to either trade or release Jordan Hicks. Because if they go out there again in this training camp, Jordan Hicks is going to win the job again. Jordan Hicks is going to be voted a captain by his peers so you, again. You, you have, so you you had no chance but to detach him from this roster and jettison him somewhere else. You have no faith Zayvon Collins is going to be any good. Oh, no, I didn't say that. I said... Well, how do you, how do you, but, know, how do you know Jordan Hicks beats him out again then? Jordan Hicks is a year older. If, if you don't... See, for me... I know what you're saying. I'm just saying you can't make that progress in the offseason. You can only make it in-season, in regular season games. And he's going to have to learn on the job is what I'm saying. And so if you're going to play the best 11 from the get-go, that would have been Jordan Hicks because how much progress can he really make in an offseason? That's my my point. Um, And so you got to ride with him. He's a first-round pick. He was number 16 overall. you got to just get him in there and get him the snaps and pray that it goes well. But there's no guarantee that he's going to be the answer. And the, thing, yeah, but you, you the only thing have... that rattles my confidence is at the end of last year, Darren, is that you had guys like Joe Walker and Tanner Vallejo getting snaps in front of Zayvon Collins. Yeah, I was a little – I'll be honest, I was a little surprised about that too. But you also didn't have any guarantee what Jordan Hicks was going to bring to the table another year older. And that's 
one of the reasons you looked at Zayvon yep. Collins in the draft last year. Yep. He's 30 years old, Jordan Hicks. You're right. I mean, and you I, never and know I think, when. I, I think as smart as he is, he doesn't have the sideline to sideline that you want out of that position. And in coverage, he was a liability too often, especially on running backs. They stopped putting him on tight ends. It's one of the reasons they went after Zayvon Collins was because that inside linebacker in coverage. And teams, we all know this, they're going to get a running back on your inside linebacker, and that's a matchup they're going to look for. And in the year prior, man, the Cardinals were victimized by that a lot. It's funny because if you look at pro football focus, not that they're the end-all, be-all, but like when Zayvon Collins was getting some steady defensive snaps early in the year when they were playing all three of those guys, his grades were pretty decent. Now, obviously something happened because Vance Joseph just stopped playing him. Yeah. But I don't know what that is. So To, to me – to your to your point about you know the, the defense, Danny. I mean, to me, that is the biggest question. Yes, they still need some help in terms of an edge rusher, defensive tackle. Where are they in the cornerback room exactly? But it's that middle linebacker calling the defense, Zayvon Collins, where I think all the focus is going to be on in training camp, just to see and just get a sense. You can only tell so much going against vanilla offenses and the running vanilla defenses in the preseason games. I'm more curious what other guys are saying or willing to say or not say about Zayvon Collins. And I'm not disagreeing with you about the need on defense or specifically cornerbacks and you're looking at your front seven and the loss of Jordan Hicks and Chandler Jones. My question is just, and I'm trying to think through this too because I agree with you guys, if the biggest names the Cardinals have lost were Jordan Hicks and Chandler Jones and you would hope you have J.J. Watt healthy for a full season – I'm just kind of curious. I mean, wh- wh- why do we all feel like suddenly this defense is, well, I, is in I, trouble or something from the beginning? You know, way. I don't feel like it's in trouble. I think Vance Joseph is pretty good. Now, could they be better? Could they add some pieces? Absolutely. And I don't know if they're like exact. I see. To me, the Chandler Jones thing, ultimately, that's where it comes down to. All right, what are we looking at? I mean. We all know he exploded on the scene last year. He did have some pressures, but let's face it, there were definitely games where he wasn't as big of an impact as they were hoping he would be. So then you start saying, okay, what exactly are you trying to replace at this point? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And and you're not going to be able to tell. You may or may not be able to tell because with the Raiders, he's not going to be the number one guy everybody's looking at. It's going to be Max Crosby, so he's going to have a little bit more freedom. Yeah, that's a great point. You're right. I mean, he he might go and, you know, get close to 20 sacks this year for the Raiders, maybe. And it might be in large part due to the fact that Max Crosby is the primary assignment the other teams are game planning for. That's what you're missing really in Chandler Jones that you can't quantify. And that's why they traded for Chandler Jones. If you rewind six years ago, the Cardinals had a dire need for that pass rusher that other teams' offensive coordinators had to account for. That they start the game planning on a Monday, and they say, you know what, we got to make sure that 55 doesn't wreck our game plan. And so whether you're devoting extra attention out to that edge or you're always mindful of a Chandler Jones, well, the Cardinals don't have that marquee pass rusher now. So what does that mean? What is that? Well, offenses attack them differently because of that. That remains to be seen, and I, I think that's the big question right now. And And can they – manufacture the pressure sure Vance Joseph has a history and a track record of doing it and you go back two years ago and Chandler Jones went down in week five of the New York Jets and we were there Darren and down goes Chandler and yeah they still ended up top five in sacks that year but as you have pointed out they had a son Reddick 
who had over a dozen sacks that year, and they had Dennis Gardeck with one of the craziest stat lines ever, seven sacks and 93 snaps. But you start wondering, okay, what – and and I made this point. Somebody said – the same person who said they were going to have a historically bad defense said they were going to set a record for fewer sacks in a season. And I, and I brought up the 2020 season and losing Chandler Jones. Yes, Hassan Reddick has turned out that, you know, he was somebody that you weren't expecting. But Dennis Gardeck – you know, was it Dennis Gardeck that year? Was it some of the scheming? I mean, I feel like Vance Joseph did an unbelievable job that year making it work. And, you know, they brought in Marcus Golden eventually. And, I, I again, I want to see I, – I, I think they've addressed it in terms of putting some bodies there. We don't know how that's going to turn out. I, I'm not automatically saying this thing is over. I just – I, it just doesn't work that way to me. Or, or going back to what – Danny's point watch which is not not that as much as the oh they're so great and we're just not seeing it as much as is it really that different from last year right that was that was my point and they were decent and we've said this before I'm going to say it again if the offense does not perform like it has to with a elite quarterback quote-unquote it doesn't matter what you got on defense It doesn't matter that Melvin Ingram, my guy, signed with the Dolphins on a one-year $5 million deal. It doesn't matter, Darren. Is that what you're telling me? I was sad for you when I saw that, Paul. (sighs) Thank you, Danny. I mean, you know, (laughs) KC had placed that unrestricted free agent tender deal on on Ingram. You're thinking, okay, he's staying in KC. No, he got one-year $5 million, and he bolted for the Dolphins. And and why why does that work? Because the way the rules work and what what Kansas City did is – because they slapped that thing on him, that he was still counted against the compensatory picks, which the Cardinals have some coming, so they don't want to give it up. The Dolphins don't have any coming. They've signed so many free agents, they didn't have any comp picks coming. So what did they care if they lose out? So it would have cost you the contract and the comp pick. It's probably a comp pick. And at this point, is he really that much better than whoever you might be throwing out there? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is uh, there will be more Tom Brady coming your way in 2023, courtesy of Netflix. This is uh, Unless you guys have anything else, I thought I'd wrap it up with this. There's we LOL. I can wrap it up with another apology if you'd like. but I'm... Sure. I mean, you know, Danny, uh, I, don't, I don't see her Danny, objecting to that. I apologize <laughs> that anybody would compare you to Kay Adams. Very sweet. Thank you. Very niche for the listeners who don't Fair work in our niche. office, um, but yes, thank you. I feel like there's a. Although back- it, would, it would be a compliment I, to I be, apologize. it would be a compliment to be compared to her. Yeah, I, I, I didn't quite understand that. I apologize anybody that is comparing you to Q. That's hurtful. <laughs> That's also niche. What What were you going to talk about, Paul? Well, you see, Tom Brady is the executive producer for a new series on Netflix that's going to be revolving around roasts. There you know, a series of upcoming specials called The Greatest Roasts of All Time. Groat, not goat, but G-R-O-A-T. And these roasts are set to tape next year, 2023. And so Tom Brady has allowed himself to be the subject of the first roast and to be the one skewered up there. Now, he's the executive producer, so if it gets too pointed or too poisonal, then I'm assuming that won't make the final edit. We'll see. Is that the whole point of a roast? Ground rules and boundaries, yeah, but some can get really over their – people can get really over their skis with some of these raunchy comedians that get up there. Danny, maybe next week we roast Paul on the podcast. We just make it a, a roast of Paul. I don't think I could handle getting roasted. I couldn't. I didn't even want him talking about the Suns. 
<laughs> That's right. Uh, Brady's quote, by the way, in the press release, to quote my good friend Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I won't get fined, meaning he's going to show up and let them go ahead. And the press release, by the way, is already roasting him. It refers to him as a sixth-round NFL draft pick. The press release refers to him also as Giselle Bunchen's husband. And then the guy at Netflix, the suit, is quoted as saying, we can't wait to burn three-time Super Bowl losing quarterback Tom Brady, who only went back to the NFL in order to delay this roast. How so, is he going to so have time off, for all this? They're off, mean, to, they're off to a good start. Does that mean this, along with him, his contract to go to the booth whenever he retires, does that mean this is his last year? It's true. That's true. You're right. His offseason is going to be mighty busy doing all those appearances. Hey, get for, your tickets for that Christmas game at State Farm Stadium just in case. Mm. Could be the last time. That'll be good stuff. There's no doubt that, that that will be good stuff. By the way, I mean, uh, what, how do you guys think Tom Brady will be as an analyst in the booth? Because I'm old enough to remember the guy I grew up watching, Joe Montana, make his debut as an analyst, as a highly paid, highly touted NFL analyst, and he was underwhelming, to say the least. I at least I – don't, I don't know if he'll be good or not. I at least – have a little more faith because I feel like in the last year or two, he's become so much more personable and likable through social media. And I don't know if that's him or his team, but whatever is being done is working. He's, he's kind of changed since he's been in Tampa in that sunshine. He seems a lot more likable on social media. He's changed. I think he just got away from new England and that's why I don't know Joe Montana, but I also don't think he's got this super personality in general. Um, yeah, super I think, Joe wasn't super personality. I, I no. think I think Tom Brady's got that personality, and it's been locked away for 20 years when he played for the Patriots, and that's why you've seen more in Tampa is because he doesn't give two flips anymore, and, and he's allowed to do whatever he says, and you can see it on social media. You can see how he talks. I, I actually think it's going to be the other way, which is how – I think he's got it in him. The question is, is how much – is he going to go Pat Bev? On uh, <laughs> on people, you oh, know, boy. I mean, and I don't yeah. think he will. But I mean, that's like like we talk about Fitz and people talk about Larry being on TV, and I maybe he would be good, but I just I feel like Larry just has he struggles. Don't get me wrong, Larry will zing with the best of them. Oh yeah, but not on camera. Nope. And I think Tom Brady is totally willing to do it on camera. Now the question is, is there's a difference between zinging, Paul? And criticizing somebody's play, yeah. yeah, and that's that's where it comes down to. Yeah, having fun at someone's expense in a good-natured way, and you know, joking around that kind of stuff, and then yeah, holding them accountable. Talking, oh, that guy's—he's just not yeah. seeing the field very well. All that stuff—that's that's the hard part. I'll tell you this much though. Here's my here's my Calvisi consulting prediction. You ready, Danny? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that Tom Brady's entrance into the booth will lead to Peyton Manning being a game analyst because those two have had their long-held competition right between each other and Peyton Manning's been holding out and holding out and resisting doing the weekly game analyst position and you know what to his credit because now now that bar has been raised right the money that Tom Brady got Peyton Manning's going to want Tom Brady money and I do think Peyton Manning it would be worthy I mean you talk about being funny and knowing the game he would crush it in a booth he would be great I believe the reason Peyton Manning for a long time did not go into booth was because he didn't want to have to call a game that Eli was playing Mm. I believe I've seen that before if that was kind of what he doesn't want to have to be in a situation where he's having to analyze or you know anything like that for his brother but what they were doing the Manning cast was great 
So when I they didn't have guests. <laughs> Guess so so I, I, I don't know if, if that's going to be his future, or maybe he will find his way into a booth. I don't know, but he would. I, I believe he'd be great pr- All right, too. Bringing this full circle, you guys didn't tell me which of the primetime games you like the most. Is it the Christmas oh, game? I think Christmas is going to be a lot of fun no. at home against Tom Brady. I mean, that'll be fun. But that my point is the atmosphere. The Christmas game was. Fu- Look, maybe I shouldn't say Christmas game was fun because the Cardinals ended up losing to the Colts, but the atmosphere was great. I'm allowed to say that. Mexico City. I'm, I'm asking what your Okay, I'm going to stick is. with Christmas. There's there's no wrong answer, Danny. There's okay, no, well, it what, feels what, what wrong. What you're looking forward to. It feels wrong, but I'm going to say Christmas. I'm not going to say the Thursday game because it's a Thursday game. But no. Say Mexico City, Darren. That's, that's the one. I, I will say this, again, getting back to your point originally when you were talking about road night games. I love the fact that out of their four primetime games, three of them are at home. <laughs> I a, guess technically yeah. four of them are at home, but we're still going to yeah. have to take a plane trip. Uh, back, that's so. a triple ding right there. And the Mexico City is really cool. If you can do it, I highly recommend it, honestly. I mean, it's a top five road trip I'm the Cardinals see if I've ever go. been on. I don't know if they'll let me go. To Mexico City? Yeah. That was a joke, guy. Are you banned or something? Are you talking about the Cardinals or Mexico I won't let you go? <laughs> well, there's there's that double life that Darren leads, and it might lead to some passport issues. He might not be really uh, have the ability to leave the country at the moment, Danny. It's uh, we'll save that for the next episode of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.